0: what up how we doing welcome Cantori and you and uh it's good to be with you we've got uh mama troy today often referred to as the uh widow of bradley Noel of sublime but uh i just know her as mama troy i've known actually uh mama troy on the peripheral for years and years and years and years we've uh have mutual friends many moons ago, before I met my wife, I actually had a crush on Mama Troy. But uh, it was nice to sit down with her and talk story, if you will. Uh, She's part of a big event going on uh, Saturday, February 16th, Misfit Galleries in La Jolla with my friend Joshua Paskowitz. You might want to look for that. And then over at Ailsmith Brewery, where they have a Sublime Lager, they're going to be doing a or observing what would have been Bradley's... Excuse me. It's like I'm drinking, uh, but I'm not. 51st birthday. Bradley would have been 51 this year, which is a trip, because I'm going to be 49 this year, just a couple of years older than me. And uh, wow, just how time flies and what an impact Bradley had on uh, my time in Southern California, especially coming of age in SoCal, uh, Bradley's music was definitely my soundtrack in, uh, in a lot of ways. We talk about that. Kind of chill right now because it's the weekend. Just kind of hanging here at the house. It's been a big weekend. I just got a new car, which is something I haven't said in over 10 years I uh had about, let's see, 200,000 miles. I put on my forerunner. It was having some engine trouble and I've had the same car for 11 years. I got it 11 years ago, but uh, it was already a couple of years old then and had like 40,000 miles on it then. now over 200,000, and it was time to get something new. So I just hooked up a Tacoma. And I'm just so pumped just to have, I haven't had like an auxiliary jack. So, <laughs> I maybe mean, just to have backup cameras and the whole deal. I'm like tripping after just driving a hoopty. Like my car got so bad, my kids wouldn't even, they hated going in it. So, stoked to have a new ride. That's a good thing. New ride, right around the time I start a, a new show, a new radio show with my friend Merrill, who you may have met on a previous podcast, and then I got my friend Ted, producer Ted, who's also helping out and keeping the U Network alive and kicking. Speaking of, do you want to thank our sponsors? Uh, We've got, wow, a lot lot of people to thank. Uh, The Scooter Farm. Let's start with the Scooter Farm today. If you've got a kid in your house who likes the scooters, zipping around on the scooters, got to check out the scooterfarm.com or visit them in Claremont. What an operation. Best guys on the planet. A couple of, couple of good dudes. My friend Bo and Doug run the shop and uh, they do it right. So if you have a scooter kid in your house, definitely support the Scooter Farm. As well as South Coast surf shops for all your surf and apparel needs, and then I uh, also want to thank Baja Bound Mexican Auto Insurance. Baja getting some bad press, but that shouldn't stop you from going down. I'm, I'm not kidding. It's uh, I, I've heard some stories as of late, and it's it, it's never about the uh, you and I. You know. We're cruising down for a weekend, Ensenada, Rosarita. There's no stress. My wife's going in a couple of weeks with her girlfriends. So if you're planning a trip to Baja, certainly hook up, sync up with Baja-bound Mexican Auto Insurance. They'll take care of all your auto insurance needs and other personal belongings as well. And uh, then finally, March and Ash, San Diego's premier dispensary. And uh, they just had, actually, Shavo Odajian from System of a Down in the uh, in the shop. Shavo's got his own brand called 22 Red, and he was a guest of their podcast, Burn and Learn, which you can also find here on the U Network. You might want to hunt that down. Shavo, the bass player of System of a Down. And I'll tell you, March and Ash, you go there, it's it's equivalent to going to like Tiffany when you when you're buying a present for your lady or your mom or something it's just it's a, it's like a boutique it's so nice it's ridiculous and uh, they've got a CBD section huge proponent of the CBDs the non-psychoactive part of the plant which has just tremendous tremendous health benefits they're learning more and more every day about the power of CBDs so if you even want to research cbds head on in the march and ash they've got a section devoted to it and then obviously um all the products you may need in the other arena as well if you know what i mean and i think you do in fact i know after i was done talking to mama troy here she had a lot to say about cbds and how she has infused cbds into her life and uh, we talked about that and how CBDs can play a huge role in helping people with addiction and uh, the whole trip. So marchin'ash.com, or if you find yourself in the Mission Valley area of San Diego. And even if you're not in the Mission Valley area, it's worth the trip. It's that nice. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. All right. Without further ado, Mama Troy throwing it down. We have a good long talk. So uh, this is an Extendo episode, so strap in, friends, fellow users, or you should I say. All right, here we go. Mama Troy. So did you grow up in San Diego?
1: Yes, I did. Um, well, no. And you can get
0: right on the mic.
1: Um, yes, I did, um, but I did grow up in, unfortunately, Riverside. Um, I was born in Orange County, and my mom and dad stayed together till I was about three. And when they split up, my mom moved with a girlfriend to Riverside. And every summer, my dad was living in San Diego. Our family's big, based in San Diego. Um, My maiden name's Den Decker. My dad has nine brothers and sisters, and I'm the fifth oldest of 32 cousins. Holy cow. And my mom was an only child, so when she met my dad, he lied about his age. They met at the Orange, I'm sorry, yeah, the orange drive-in. It was on the five, and um, on the five freeway, going through like Anaheim. Yeah, and had the oranges on on and the you outside. you could see it
0: from the freeway. Yeah, is it and still there? Met,
1: um, I think it is, but I think it's probably the DN There's that one swap meet that they do yeah. out there. Okay. But they met at the drive-in when people would just hang out, smoke joints, sitting on sure. their, the the of their car. And he walked by, and she said, "Got a joint?" And that's how they met. <laughs> and Nikki and Chico and. My mom said that he was 28 or 27 and he was only 19, but he said he was 25, lied about his age. She's like, honey, I didn't care. He was so handsome. And um, when she met his family, that sealed the deal. She was ready to have a kid and she just knew that um, her being an only child and, not, and both her parents were gone. My mom was from Pennsylvania. She came out to California in 67 she just knew that I'd be taken care of no matter what. And it's true, My Indonesian family, uh, we're Dutch Indonesian, love my family. And so I, I have a strong sense of family in that way. But when they split up, she, he moved back to San Diego, she moved to Riverside, but my dad would pick me up every summer, and I'd spend the whole summer in San Diego. Okay. Then as I got older, near you know, every year I'd have to go back to Riverside. And yeah, once you got older,
0: home. you realized. And please,
1: can we move to San Diego? such a difference. Yeah. So finally at 12, she was working for the city of Riverside um, in adult probation, where she was, she was a, a typist? Is that what you call it? She was,
0: stenographer? She wasn't
1: a stenographer. She would... Um, translate the stenographer court um the court stuff into english okay with headphones on all day like a translator all family court so she would hear these you know horrible stories about um sexual abuse inside Oof. families of stepdads and boyfriends and the mothers believing the the boyfriend or the the stepdad yeah not the and she would come home and she'd scare the shit out of me she be like if ever there's anyone around you tell me and they're gone and so, um, my parents were very open with me about everything. Plus, it was the seventies. Yeah, and I think we
0: were born the same year. 70. 1970. Yeah. and we're both Aries. And we're both Aries. Trip out, and we're both. You're the
1: dog. You're right. We're loyal. Yeah. So the great. My mom was an Aries. She was a dragon. You're the dragon. Okay. My dad was a Taurus, and so he's hardworking, very, very family oriented. But I don't remember my parents being. Um, Put it this way: They, they, they were part of that one percent. Hung out with, you know, my mom mostly musicians, and my dad mostly bikers. And uh, I remember my childhood, you know, coming to San Diego during the summer. It was mostly Hell's Angels, or you know, other bikers. He, he was a welder and he could build choppers. Sure. And I, can, some of my earliest memories are him getting me ready in the morning putting me in front of him on the motorcycle and i'd hold on to the gas caps until he'd pick up his buddy
0: damn they
1: put me between them then he dropped me off at his parents on mount Elephant and claremont and then he'd go to work welding he was a welder and then i'd stay with my oma and opa my grandparents for the day and then um i'd go with my opa who was a gardener a landscaper and he raised 10 kids gardening all those big mansions in point loma and um and uh, Sunset Cliffs. Trip out. Yeah. And I remember every day when we'd head home, we'd have to stop at that jack-in-the-box right at the, the opening of Sunset Cliffs, you know, yep. right there at the top. And you'd have to get us two cheeseburgers with a special sauce. And <laughs> and so I was around that. And then my dad, um, he just was always on motorcycles and stuff. So I grew up on motorcycles. And I grew up with my dad working on cars. And my mom, I'd go to Riverside, and she'd have all these – you know, musicians, and she was into the, her music was Motown and Eldies, and she loved to go dancing. So uh, it was all, we lived in welfare housing for a while. And so every Sunday, it was all the lowriders, you know, pumping their, their, <laughs> they us. so I know all the words, all those songs, it's just ingrained in me. And then, then, you know, later in the 70s, she got into, I mean, I heard Boss Skaggs, I heard Stilly Dan all the time. I heard Fleetwood Mac. There's so many songs that are my mom.
0: So would you say you had a hard upbringing just like a hard um, you know, just if just you hear the, the motorcycles and uh, that, that was, was just normal.
1: yeah I because of my mom working for adult probation and coming home and telling me these horror stories, I was afraid of if I was walking to school that was back in you know you're from the 1970s we yep. walked to school we were latch kid key kids and I mean I think about how far I would walk past Orange groves in like second grade. I think about how
0: we used to go to Mexico.
1: Oh my God, as teenagers, TJ, yes. we get as wasted as we could, yes. and I don't even remember coming back.
0: Nope. It's amazing we are alive. Nope. I totally agree, especially being a woman. I'm a guy, I, well, and I I'd think of the women. Well,
1: I all my homeboys. So and they were
0: protecting you.
1: Yeah, no, not really, because I have a bad <laughs> brain. I have a bad brains iguana story, which...
0: We all have an iguana yeah, story. Yeah,
1: I and I, was, I drove all my homeboys from Pacific PB when I was in PB, and I hung out with all the the time PB vermin and oh, the uh, PB Ver- I haven't heard that
0: <laughs> holy shit the PB vermin I haven't heard that in so yep. long I, you
1: know I wasn't a PB vermin but I hung out with all of them yes uh, my mom and I moved I knew to them
0: 10. all I didn't roll but I know yeah. exactly yeah I know yeah,
1: there's Jamin who's yep. thicker than thieves and I just saw him in Hawaii there's Mater and those are the days and I worked at Ichiban I started working at Ichiban when I was uh, 17 so I thought well, why wouldn't I work at my a place that my favorite place to eat? Yeah. Yes, you know, so I started working there, and that's when the chicken um, sukiyaki oh, still
0: one of my faves. So good. And my
1: favorite is the um, grilled yellowtail where they. Yes. March. Oh yeah, and Mr. Izuka-san still works. He still works over at this one mostly. Really. Fine. And I will go in there, and every if he's there, I'm always thanking him. You know, thank you for keeping me alive from 1987 to you know pretty much. 1992.
0: Yeah, that's when I moved here in '87. Oh, okay, from so where? From, from LA. From LA.
1: No, I spent a lot of time in LA during those years because JP was a mutual friend, and he, you know, was a couple of years older than me, but we became friends in, in 1987. Yeah. And he was in he was in the band scene, but but a couple of years ahead of me, where I wasn't 21 yet, so mm-hmm. I couldn't go to a couple of the places that they all go hang out at, but nice like Soma and. Was well, that Selma, um, The original Selma, the one that was underground on Union. Oh,
0: downtown.
1: Yeah, that was. Right oh, that there. was the spot. And Wabash Hall. I saw. I saw Jane's Addiction at Wabash Hall, probably in 1985 or '86, yeah. and then it was gone. Um, Iguana story was with Jamin, so I had um, him and um, oh, what was his name? He drove the blue truck, and he had the pit bull. That guy. That guy. <laughs> we all he know. That guy. <laughs> I took like I have my little Mazda GLC and it was all bondoed and, and primered and I took about five guys and me and I drove down to the border. We walked across. As soon as we get in iguanas, I don't I I don't know if you remember how it was built very Mexican yeah. Um, architecturally. Yeah, it was just
0: you had to go different levels. Yes, and I had there were staircases cages, that went staircases. to nothing.
1: Balconies that led over. I mean, it was kind of like Horton Plaza, but in a that's very That's hysterical. Dance. You're right. And so as soon as we got in there.
0: Concrete there, stage. Oh, yeah.
1: And then you could watch from above. But as soon as we got in there, they took off. So I'm running around, and the first band that's playing, I'm not even paying attention. I'm just trying to find my boys. And I get up to this one area where, you know, I'm walking past a balcony, and right then, they start playing. And I just stopped. I didn't care where I was that I was watching it by myself. Uh, HR came out and he had all of his dreads up in a beanie. And God, I think I was 17. Mad. And he had his head, dreads up in a beanie. And I think he started out with you know either I Love I Jaw or something, you know, Leave and Babble, something slow reggae. And just frozen, just mesmerized. And as soon as he finished the reggae song, he took his dreads out. And I i swear to god it was banned in dc because it punk it was so hardcore punk rock and he the energy that came out of him from standing Uh doing backflips, yep it was the most intense concert i wish i could you know i wish i could go back in time i get it or record it i had an interesting experience
0: there as well very similar it wasn't with bad brains it was with rage against the machine Mm -hmm. and it was the first time i was there i had seen rage and just being mesmerized i just oh, yeah. remember never seeing anything like that in my life i
1: think the fact that it was in tj and Plays it was a so big huge, role. huge part cuz they they knew that they could get away with a lot more yep. and they they could be punk rock a lot more and they just really it was like a, sh- a show you'll never see again it was totally improvised and ad-libbed and and, and um, off off the cuff and you know um when uh, oh even God. when
0: you're in the audience too though you're 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 like nervous watching a show because you don't know what's going to happen yeah. next. You're scared for your life, yeah. but having the time of your life at the same time. We'll see. But you also play as a role.
1: Well, I'm glad I'm, I was always, always said at those shows, I was glad I wasn't a dude because I mean, I, you know, small clubs, I would get near the mosh pit, but pretty much just pushing people in. Oh, yeah. But I think mosh pits are what's lacking now. in these young kids, because that's where all that my homies would get their, their, their teenage angst out. Good point. That's why there's and where do they get it out today? School. Right, I was just going to say, where are people today? getting it out? They're getting it out mostly in just drugs. We did drugs and washed and drank, but it was like I was like church. It was like a way to get it out. It was therapy. You're right. And it really was the most. I mean, people didn't get hurt. They didn't mess each other up. There was a there was a uh, there was a uh, rhythm. There was a, a co- unspoken code to yeah moshing. unwritten laws. And it was perfect, you know. But um,
0: but that's an interesting, really interesting insight when I you do think, think that's about it. it. When you think about all the aggression these kids have and today, at
1: schools. and
0: the shootings, and they don't have any place to release it, and they're and not engaging with music, they're engaging with the video games, and and downloading, the, and the Fortnite and all that garbage. And music-wise,
1: it's downloading, it's downloading, and plus the music, the young musicians, at least the rappers and stuff, they self-promote. Yep. You know, and so it's everything downloaded, and they're starting to do shows, which is cool. I've got some young friends through my son Jacob, mine and Brad's son, yeah. um, the younger generation, and I have an ear for it, and I'm just always asking them, when are you gonna change that that mumble trap rap sound? Because there's yeah. a couple of them, they're really talented, but they're caught up in that L.A., which is understandable. And that's what
0: my son, he's 12, that's what he's listening yeah. to. my
1: 17-year-old tortures me with it. Same. Every once in a while, there's a good song, it sounds a little bit different, you know, good music's good music, but for the most part, it's like, do they all go to the same studio and hand off the lyrics yep. to each other? And could they not take so many pills before they go to the studio? I agree. So you can understand. But, and I don't want to hear about what they drink, who, what stroke club they're going to, and what who they're they banging. I agree. Yeah. And
0: that's my thing. And that's what I try to tell yeah. my son. We're living in such an, such an incredible time. Not a great, yeah. incre- it's just such a historic yeah. time that we're living. And why are you listening to music that's so cheap? It's because just music should be moving and moving culture right now, and it's, it's not. It's
1: instant gratification. These just this generation, they can Facetime their friends, they can call an Uber. They they don't have the need. But my.
0: But where is punk rock today? Punk isn't the climate coming back? Isn't it perfect to climate right now? It's never you been more it perfect. Seems
1: like every these bands are coming back together because punk rock bowling's coming to Vegas. Good point. To, to, the, to Vegas which they, I love. Did you see the lineup? No. Oh my goodness! It's like. The world is going to end because why are all these bands <laughs> coming back together? And I was just talking pissed. to um, I was just talking to um, uh, Big Gotti from Booyah Tribe. Mm, and you know, I haven't they heard that in a long I time, know, like PB Verbin. And, <laughs> and I haven't heard um, I haven't talked to Gotti, or or to the any of the boys in the Booyah Tribe for a long time. But I used to carry their clothing when I had House of Flies down on Garnett and PB about 13, fourteen years ago.
0: Longer than that, um, right? No, has to be. F-
1: Fourteen, yes, because my my daughter Mary Jane's fourteen, and I I closed it down when I was pregnant with her. I was okay,
0: so when did you pregnant. open it though?
1: Well, we opened in two thousand and one down in the Gaslight on Fifth. You know, we were holding out waiting for that okay. Pecco Pecco parts kit right. to get built. It wasn't really having enough foot traffic, and so yep. we had to stay open till midnight for all the you know people at the clubs. The stuff I had to carry there wasn't selling because I wanted to carry. The punk rock and the, the uniforms, the ducky the dickies, the stuff that you know, the street clothes. So when we had it on Garnett, I was the only shop at the beach that carried the opposite. I was the anti-shop. I didn't I carry any sir stuff. I carried bondage pants and docks and 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 uh, creepers, I carried dickies, and I also carried all of the streetwear like Joker. Tribal dice one. I remember Gaudy, and so, I thought it was
0: the late nineties you were doing that for some reason. I
1: moved back from Hawaii. I moved to Hawaii in ninety seven, and I moved back in two thousand. Okay. Um, after Bradley passed away in ninety six, I was not prepared to move back to San Diego. It felt like I was going backwards. Right. And and plus all my friends who kind of shunned me when I went, you know, was hanging out with Brad and moved up there. Now they're all like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like. Of course, I'm not okay. Fuck yeah. No, I'm not okay. And then staying in Long Beach, that was not my town. It was his memories, and you know, I mean, I, I have lifelong friendships and family now because of all the boys that we all went through a tragedy together when Brad passed away. I mean, everyone, um, everyone that was his best friends, his homies, his street family, we all went through tragedy, and so there's still my there's my family. Yeah, but. This is my San Diego's my roots, you know, and I'm just now what is it, 2019 just in this last year? I'm starting to remember who I was even before I went to Long Beach, before I met Bradley.
0: Interesting, but I also attribute that to a stage in life because I'm yes. going through that myself, but I've been in the same place, so
1: well, and I attribute it being going. of a marriage, you know, that, um, and and you know, I was raising. My oldest Jake is 23, and Jake is my son with Bradley. Right. But he moved out when he was 18, but my oldest daughter is 17, and my youngest son is 11. So okay. I was raising kids for the past four, 15 years. Exactly. Um, and I had House of Flies, you know, but that's been shut down for the past 14 years. So it was all about the kids, and I was still involved in the merch for Sublime but not as hands-on as I have been in the past four years since I hired new management, and I got directly involved. Live Nation does our merch, and that means everything from our legacy core designs to any third-party licensings. um, Anything like posters, skateboards, anything goes through Live Nation, but I do all the approving because Bud, the drummer of Sublime, and Eric Wilson, the original bass player, they're they're both doing their own thing. They trust me to do it. They know. I mean, I have an eye for it. I I owned a retail store and of course plus the connections I've I've built over the years and going to Magic the trade show in in uh, Vegas. I see things that I like. Old management. I I tell them this is after I closed House of Flies, but I still have that. Nap. Yeah, you know, it's the shopper in me. Of course, but, but it's also a passion. my wife's great at it. And it's a passion of mine, and especially growing up being a rude girl and wearing and, and, and into the punk rock. Rude
0: scene. girl. Oh my god Well, I haven't heard that in a long time either. Oh my, and your knuckles. I had the biggest crush on you back in the day. Did
1: you? Yeah, that's what's (laughs) so
0: funny and that's why I was trying to put timelines together for a minute because it was before you opened the shop, it was in the late 90s. That's why when you said, have we met before and it was when I first started at 91X.
1: Where were we? I forget. I
0: just remember I met you somewhere affiliated with the radio station and you were promoting something. And it was
1: probably something to do with House of Flies because we did so. do a big party at Santa Fe Train Station. It could have been that. The All Stars played.
0: That could have been it. Yeah, I forget. I just remember thinking, "Man, you're so out of my league. It's not uh. even funny."
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just me. I'm. I'm. You know, I'm. People call me Mama Troy now, for the past maybe 10 years, because mostly my stepson would call me that, and then it kind of stuck. Because Troy the boy, Troy the boy, growing up. Sure. But now. In the past five years, what um, friends, or not friends, what fans will come up and say, instead of, you're Bradley Knowles' son. I still get introduced as you know Brad's widow or whatever, but more often it's, you're Jake's mom.
0: Yeah. Because
1: his band is incredible.
0: It's law, right? Law. So they're still, because, all right, I want to get caught up here. So backtrack a little bit. So when you talk about Eric and Bud and they're doing their own thing, is their own thing sublime with Rome?
1: it originally started with Eric being approached by his manager and the manager who's, who manages the band now is cheese and cheese Brown. And he was managing Rome, the singer. Mm. And he had this brilliant idea that, you know, cause Rome is a really talented singer. Why don't we get Bud and Eric and Rome together and see what happens, what kind of magic and Eric Wilson, I will always say is such a beautiful tender soul and I'm very, very, he holds a special place in my heart. People don't realize how much of a loss it was for him. Brad and he had a unspoken language. Their birthdays were a day apart. Mm. Eric's not a very um, expressive person, so that's why music's his outlet. And Lofton, he'll be up playing the bass on stage live, and he looks bored. He makes no expression, but he's a badass. They call him <laughs> you know, the God Offender. His favorite musician is Frank Zappa. So you, there's that mind. Yeah. So then Bud. Came on board, and um, there's just a lot of drama in the beginning of Sublime with Rome*. It was Which is a, why
0: I asked the question because yeah. that's all I remember. So Bud
1: left about two years into it, and it was a lot of conflict between Bud and she's their manager. Um, Bud was in a bad marriage, and you know she, his ex, was on the road with him. There was just drama. It just wasn't no, the right timing, and he wanted Eric to, you know, come along with him to leave. And Eric, it wasn't Eric's battle, you know. Eric just wants to play music. Yeah. You know, you could say Eric, you know, uh, got this great new uh, contract with, you know, uh, uh, Live Nation and da da da, and all the, you know, all these numbers, and he's like, uh huh, okay, cool. But look at my bass, you know. Yeah. He's just that doesn't <laughs> it doesn't matter to him. And I love the boys that they trust me, to do. Um,
0: That's awesome. To
1: do what I'm doing now. But the thing is, is when we had old management, and and, and I love old management with Silverback and they were there from the beginning when Sublime signed with Gasoline Alley. Um, so when Bradley passed away, we all just, you know, we weren't ready to deal with anything, so we just kind of let Silverback take care of everything. But they're band managers. They're not merch managers. Um, Live Nation they worked with. But I, sh- I wasn't ready, but I should have been there to, to be more hands-on with merch because once I got new management... Which is Surf Dog Records in Encinitas? I love them. Oh,
0: Dave Kaplan.
1: Dave Kaplan and Scott. I love Dave. And Kaylee, they've they have turned our whole legacy estate, everything. They've updated it. It's present. It's um, put it this way: when they took over, our website had not been posted on in three months. Jeez. Now it's colorful, and it was black and white. And that's and I understand John Phillips and Blaine from Silverback. Their passion was to not to not uh, bastardize or sell out or oversaturate or just they want they wanted to keep the charm of it being an independent band. But they were not. And I told them, you know, it's happening with or without us. These new fans are young. They're they're downloaders. They're instant gratification. They want to see things faster, quicker. We can't just have an online website with a Facebook, yeah, and it's got to be updated. So now it's all colorful. I mean, I'm blown away by everything that was in my head. All the things that I wanted to see happen are happening.
0: So is Sublime with Rome and Sublime separate Total properties? separate entities. Okay,
1: but for th- yeah, and at first I did not want them to use the name Sublime. Right, it was very emotional. I was very right. upset. I didn't feel so much that Eric was pushing it because Eric. It was hard for him. He, he's the one who approached me, and that was a big deal for him to come and ask for my Understandably. Blessing. And Rome came to the first meeting, and Rome was young. I think he was only about, like, maybe 18, 19. Oh, jeez. And so his, he came off as um, as arrogant, in a sense, because we're at a restaurant, and he's just tapping on the table the whole time that me and Eric are talking. And now that I look back, he was probably really in, nervous and intimidated. Yeah, And Eric really just, you know, can we is it okay? And I'm like, well, why do you have to use the name Sublime? And he goes, well, that's what they think will, you know, sell tickets and blah, blah. I'm like, oh, let's just talk some more about it. So I, I was like, fuck, that's just, no, hell no, it's weird. I mean, uh, Foo Fighters are not Nirvana, they're Foo Fighters.
0: Yeah.
1: So, we came to a compromise, Sublime, with Rome. And part of it is that we also get part of the, uh, some, a little bit of a royalty from, their merch and ticket sales because they're using the name sublime and uh i was personally bitter. i think
0: it's a good i could see why you'd be bitter but personally i think it's an well, okay compromise it turned
1: out to be a good compromise because we don't have a working band so they're kind of like a working band and there are several cover bands sublime cover bands i mean more than several you know lots of uh, right. sublime cover bands um, Badfish sells out the House of Blues all the time. It's amazing. And I take Jake. I've taken Jake to see them. I go see them. I love them. And so, what's the difference? You know, it was just it was more emotional, and I think a lot of it because Bud was insisting. It was you know not yeah. not considering our feelings. But now it all happened for a reason. And Bud left the band, tears into it. Um, he, it, it was so he's of, not
0: even affiliated with Sublime with Rome anymore. No. Oh, I didn't even but, know that. Bud,
1: Bud, you know, and there was a lot of. Um, Heartbreak and um, there was just a line drawn when when Eric left. I mean when Bud left and Eric didn't. Mm. And Eric doesn't harbor it or doesn't direct it towards Eric, it's towards their manager, which he's finally coming around to where, you know, it is what it is. And you have he's to get got to got other that things point. to move on to. You have to and get to that. Really point since we've got new management with Surf Dog, Bud, everybody was intimidated by Bud. He was a bully back in the day, and so, or Silverback, or old management. Nothing was flowing. There was no, no cohesive, no, no communication when yeah. it came to merch and business, because old management was afraid of Bud. <laughs> and so, and then Bud and I didn't talk. So there was no, nothing was getting done the way it should have. So now that we're with Surf Dog, I'm hands-on. I, I make sure that I oversee and help on any projects, and I've developed a couple new collaborations um, through Live Nation, through Surf Dog being such great management, and Bud's happy, and Bud, part- he's present. He's great. He, he he sits in on our monthly um, conference calls. Eric doesn't, and that's understandable. Eric doesn't, that doesn't matter to I him. Mean, he loves it, and, and he's and he's sweet. Well, he's, he's doing happy. his We're own doing, thing, too. But he just wants to play music, you yeah. know, and he trusts me. And Eric, uh, before Bud, the old management, he would... Um, he would not approve half the stuff, half the merch, just to be a dick because yeah. he didn't like old management. Now it's he's stoked, and he's present, and he, uh, I just think he's he's really let go of a lot of pain and hatred. So smart, you have to. Yeah, you have to. And I think he misses Eric. I think Eric misses him, and hopefully, um, someday they'll cross paths. But. Yeah,
0: I hope so too. And it's, Long Beach
1: to All Stars is is back together.
0: I've heard that.
1: <laughs> yes. And so that band was the best thing that could, the boys could have ever done to mourn and celebrate Bradley. I agree. Every single guy in that band, which, by the way, started performing about six months after Brad passed away.
0: And that always felt the most organic.
1: It did. And, and even, anything even since. their original music that that, that that came out of their union and their formation, their their albums, their songs are are badass I mean I'm, they're my favorite band yeah but when their their renditions and of sublime originals they do it dub all-star style exactly so that was what makes them different than a tribute band and sublime with Rome I don't call them a tribute band but I don't now that I it took me three years to go see them live because I thought it was going to be emotional and hard nope took a went there and I took Opie Ortiz I took Jai who was Brad's best friend and I took Eddie Ratig; who was a skater, mm-hmm. and they all loved Eric. And it was kind of, it was kind of intense because they were like, well, "What should we do? What should we do?" And when he was afterwards we all hung out with Eric backstage, and Eric was so happy because I think for a long time he felt he moved away from Long Beach when he got with Sublime with Rome. He's kind of stayed secluded out in his avocado ranch,
0: yeah.
1: And he's on the road all the time, and I think he felt like the boys hated him because I mean Bud. And Eric were in Dub All Stars originally. I know they're they're all bros, they're family. I used to say they're more married to Brad than I am. So the best thing they could have done, the best thing for us to mourn Brad was was Dub All Stars. And so when I brought Opie and Jai and Eddie Radiggy to Sublime with Rome, and this was you know they've been performing as Sublime with Rome for three years, it wasn't emotional for me. It was awesome. He, sure. Rome doesn't sound like Brad. He's not an impersonator. He's paying tribute, and it's mostly, you know, the audience, it's for the audience, and it keeps the music alive, and and it's for Eric Wilson. He's so happy on stage. That's when he's I'm so happy
0: to hear that. I've known those guys throughout the years a ton, and as it relates to the disconnect between Eric and Bud, they'll figure it out. And and they have to, for Bradley, too, for Brad. And I
1: think once, you know, I mean once, maybe it'll never happen, but once, Sublime with Rome gets to the point where they're gonna take a long hiatus, and they're not, you know. My, I mean, I, I picture, you know, Eric, and Bud being on the same stage with the Debal stars. Oh yeah! Elite, you know, not back in the band, but at least, you know, at certain shows where they might both be there at the same time. You know, which would be really cool. And Bud, um, Bud, and I now communicate. We, we, he was just an angry bully for a long time, and wasn't nice to me, and we just didn't communicate, yeah. but in the past, uh, since we started, by the way, we are um, putting a documentary out for Sublime. We completed it, and it's gonna be at the Tribeca Film Festival no in May. No way, that's and, awesome. Um, I just saw a rough edit of it about two months ago. No, about a month ago. Uh, just me and Bud and the core members um, got to have a screening, and which was cool because everyone did their interviews on different days, and the director of it is incredible. He had no idea about Sublime. I mean, he wasn't a fan, so it was kind of coming in with a whole new. Because over the years, we've been, you know, bombarded with, with uh, scripts and and proposals to you know, um, do oh, Bradley's story, Bradley's story, or bit. to do a documentary, and and it was ninety nine percent of them are fan, you know, fans that want to tell the story and. You know, first time project. And we held out and held out. So, um,
0: but you look at the success of Bohemian Rhapsody, and I wonder for a second, why could well, you do his? I mean, I'm not.
1: We are going to do a feature film now. This is the documentary. A documentary explains So you are
0: going to do, if that was my oh, next follow-up, yeah. would you do a feature when you we look are. at the success of that and they're doing kinda a Motley like a Crew dog movie, town. a Dogtown. Dogtown
1: started out with the, the, doc the doc. with Sean Penn. Yes. And then. Um, became and, a feature. And then the feature was great, you know, and um, that's kind of how we wanted to do it. We wanted to get in the documentary the whole story um, of how they formed and, you know, and how they broke up and Brad's addiction and how he passed away and everything. But the feature film, I'm so glad we did the documentary first and by the way the director he, him going in with a fresh set of eyes and not really knowing about sublime
0: probably the best thing you can
1: Best do that. thing cuz he's yeah. a, an award Oscar award winning documentarian for for um like history uh, like war history document documentaries um documenta- documentaries Oh, you're fine. I'm fine. But he is award winning so he does his research and he, so when our lawyer and support. how's being
0: in a band any different than being in battle
1: exactly <laughs> and and also how does what's the difference between you know doing all the research for something historical like war history versus than a band. yeah the history yeah, but, of a band yeah, and the so music was, scene so and he the culture was that much more passionate about it because he was learning about you know punk rock scene and the ska scene he was learning about a stuff you know drug addiction all this stuff you know and, and getting to know us and he he they did such a good job. There's laughing there's storytelling. The people they interviewed, they interviewed Angelo and yeah. Norwood from Fishbone. Fish. They interviewed uh, Gwen and um, Tony oh, from No Gwen. Doubt, uh, Half Pint, Barrington. There's a lot of really good live footage. Because Gwen
0: of- and Brad were tight, right? They were
1: very tight. He used to tell me when we first started dating you know, I'd be married to Gwen if it wasn't for you. Or no, he'd say, I'd be with Gwen if it wasn't for you. And I'm like, oh, really? Does she know that? Because she was with Tony. But that's it was hilarious. Cute. Or, he, or he'd walk around the house singing, I'm just a girl.
0: Oh, that's funny. You know? And I'm like,
1: you got to stop singing that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and they were so sweet together. And she's still
0: the coolest, man. She is
1: the sweetest, most genuinely sweet person. I haven't seen her in years. She's so uber famous. Same. I want to try and get out to, unless it's Vegas. Over. It's what? just
0: starting again. Oh. I want to go too. It's funny Let's you say go. that. I would love to go. I would love to see her backstage. love to go.
1: She was always so gracious. So nice. The last time I saw her was when she had her um, solo album, and it was at the Cox Arena. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is how long ago it was. I think Jake was maybe seven or eight years old, and I brought him, and we got to go backstage, and she was so cute. She bent down because she was there the night I found out I was pregnant, she, um, no doubt opened up for Sublime at the Foothill, which is, you know, a total divey punk rock bar. What? That's and amazing. she had her long, long hair. And Brad had the wand, you know, the positive wand. Yeah. And he took it out and he was showing everybody. And she came up and she's like, rub on my belly. I mean, I was like, you know, just weeks along, but she, then she found somehow a balloon or a ball and she put it under her shirt and she was just <laughs> so adorable. But, um, you know, she just couldn't believe when she saw, she hadn't seen Jake in a while. And she bent down. She goes, you're so sweet. She goes, can I hug you? And he's so little. He goes, yeah. And then she wrote on his backstage pass, um, little lamb chop. And she was just like, so enamored, oh. you know, and I would love for her to see Jake's band perform cause it blow her mind.
0: So where is Jake? Where is he? Jake's today? in Long Beach. Okay. And tell me about the band. So I remember a couple of years back, like a video and viral of him performing at a bar and it was like, holy shit, check out Bradley Knowles' song. Yeah. And I watched the video, and I remember my response was- him Was him solo? Or, yes, okay. solo video of him. And I remember watching it going, gifted, and it has passed along. And that was my wow. initial thought.
1: So when he was, first of all, Jake was a very um, sensitive, introverted, just like his dad. Um, teenager adolescent you know spent a lot of time on the computer playing the world of warcraft and um was a very social um mama's boy i mean when he was little 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 i was like i I could not leave his sight you know and the way he recalls it i just you know abandoned him all the time and i was you know wild and crazy but he was a very needy kid very sensitive that's me and yeah and so and his dad was too like i always said i'd you know the first couple of years of course I, I was angry, sad mourning Bradley but then I've let him go and the only times I miss him is when I would miss him for Jake. Yeah, Jake was 11 months old. Can't imagine. And there's a lot of times where Jake would be upset and instead of being like I'm mad at you mommy he'd say you hurt my feelings I'm like I don't know how I didn't know how to you know deal with that like yeah. I hurt your feelings how did I hurt your feelings just you know so Brad would have got that he would just like, pan- you know, panic over stuff. Yeah. And um, so writing really helped him, and you know, being focused on the computer. And he did spend a lot of time in his room. He wasn't athletic, and you know, of course, you know, um, his stepdad was always like, "You got him to do this, to get him to do that." And you know, I did try to get him to play soccer, and he didn't like it. So why am I going to force him to do that? Um, so I started, you know, encouraging things he did like to do. The like drawing, he could do anime. He loved writing stories and he loved reading mm. he would go through the the fantasy series you know the series of books he'd eat them up and um so his grandfather brad's dad started sending him during the summer to writing um writing camps you know like he's been to boston and all this stuff because he was a re- really good story writer and perfect to lead into songwriting never put a guitar in his hand never made him listen to sublime i mean these kids heard it but in their minds I'm their mom. They don't, you know, they, it's not like that they get jealous, but it's like it's boring to them yeah. hearing about, you know, or if I have, to, if I drug them along to any kind of social event involving Sublime, But boring is I'm mom. Yep. So I try and do my business not with them around. And with Jake, I really um, protected him from the um, being recognized or the limelight of, of Of his dad. Smart. I would have done the exact same thing. And in high school, I told him, "Do not tell people People your your dad is or that." Because you know what? You'll get the wrong friends. Totally agree. Thank goodness he was very antisocial in school. He didn't fit in in school, and he was. He went through. It was super duper awkward stage from the age of like fourteen to seventeen. Who doesn't? Uh, so. He, but I think
0: that's so smart because as a I parent, did. I would have done the exact yeah. same thing. Because you know I, how well, cruel and thing, shitty people can be. The
1: best thing a parent could do for their kid is to let them be themselves.
0: Yep, and protect them.
1: Protect them, and you know so many, so many of my friends, other parents, were always like, "Well, you should get them to do this, and you know, make them do no that." No way. No, and, and his grandparents, Brad's parents were like, Well, always trying to make me feel like I was being a bad parent because I didn't have him in sports and I didn't I wasn't, you know, um, making him pushing him no. harder. But he you, wants it, to yeah. play, he'll play. And you know what their solution was? Put him on Adderall. He's an ADHD. <laughs> He's just not paying attention. No, he would focus and get shit done that he liked, but if he wasn't something he was interested He's in. Out.
0: That's me. Yeah. I get that. All, Can't you? That's... I think
1: most boys were like that. I grew up around in the seventies where all the boys were on Ritalin. Right. Because their boys, think about it. It was Mother's Little Helper. He didn't need that. He did not have a hard time focusing on stuff he enjoyed. So
0: that's what you encourage. Yeah,
1: I encourage, and I would take him to the comic book stores and comic book conventions because I was a comic book nerd. And then, I, then about uh, fourteen years old, he started playing. He had one of his dad's acoustic guitars in his room. Never touched it, and his room was way down a hallway. And you know, I was putting laundry away or something, and I could hear him strumming it. I'm like, uh oh. And there was, right before that, he was humming this song. It sounded like a song, it was like a poem he wrote or something and he was kind of humming it and we were driving around, I'm like, after about uh, the third time I'm doing it, I'm like, what is that? And he goes, I don't know, it's, a, it's like a poem or something. Goes, it sounds like a song, Then he goes, maybe. And I go, you need to write that down. And now it's called Flower on their first album. What? Wow, that's the first thing he ever their, wrote. Yeah, and, that's, um, and it was just something he was humming and he wrote it down. And then he started playing the. It just it happened organically. I didn't. I didn't want to force that on him. I didn't want to live in the sh- him to live in the shadow of his dad's. music. It's Gotta be
0: so hard because I um, even think it's of-
1: hard. It was hard, not hard at the when he was with me, but when he met his best friend when they were twelve. Dakota, which was Dakota Etheridge, which was his first, Law's first uh, bass player, and they became best friends. They met at laser tag down sports arena, and Dakota was this, you know little stray that came home and came over every weekend and his mom, his mom's new husband and him didn't get along so he would stay with his grandma on Poway and would be bored. They're teenagers. He'd come over and... Then it got to the point where they... I was about 12, 13, about 14 to 16. Um, you know, and they started experimenting with marijuana and getting the munchies and I started having to charge Dakota money because he was at our house all summer and every weekend and he was like the skinny little beanpole that could just freaking plow through. So, But they would they'd start talking about having a band because Dakota's dad was a musician and Dakota loved the bass and they started writing these songs together and so then when Jake turned 18 he told his grandpa who lives, to, lives in Long Beach, Brad's dad um, we want to move up to Long Beach because he had it in his mind that that's where you go to in a band
0: interest so you guys were living here at the time yeah we were
1: in pb he grew up in pb okay yeah he went to la Jolla high so as soon as he turned 18 he moved up to long beach and his grandpa helped him get an apartment him and dakota and like four other guys which was how do you get through
0: la Jolla high you do I, okay there uh, just barely. just in general barely. just in
1: general barely. he was very very intelligent and smart it was the social part. That's a big part of the That's why I'm school. asking. Yeah. I'm curious on the oh, yeah. social side, because that's, that's a gnarly side. high school. Robert. And he had that, he went through the awkward stage of the pimply with glasses before. I don't entered. think I'd
0: get through La Jolla High. That's why I'm yeah. asking.
1: I dropped out when I was in 10th grade at Madison, because all of my went, okay. When I was 14, 1984, I went to see madness in the parking lot of the Murphy. Oh boy. The tickets were 91 cents because 91x is throwing started. it. Yeah. And it changed my life and the first time I heard Sublime I think it was about 1992 and this is when the band was notorious for playing for beer, playing backyard parties, uh, playing, you know, dive bars and they would play down in Mexico in a spot called San Miguel down in Baja. Okay. on the beach and then they would pass out cassettes. And at the time I was hanging out in Ocean Beach a lot even though I lived in PB but one of my best friends had moved there. And a friend of ours, um, Steve, was in San Miguel that, that a couple days before, and he brought back the Forty Hours to Freedom cassette and put it on. And we're like, "What? What is this?" And he goes, "I got it down from these guys. Played on the beach. That one cassette everyone taped off of that whole summer. Every party, every house party you went to. That's the soundtrack. That's." What I got a copy
0: of it. I'm so, so tripped great. out right now. I remember. Yeah.
1: I So totally everyone taped remember. off of his one tape. And so uh, that was ninety two, and then That was
0: early nineties. I was living in Mission year, Beach on yeah. Jamaica.
1: Oh, Jamaica Court, yep. Jamaica and oh court. my gosh! And you know, and everyone was playing it.
0: Everybody. Everybody. E- to me,
1: it epitomized. Sublime,
0: epitom- yes.
1: It was a combination because, besides Bad Brains, you know, that was the first time I heard straight punk rock and straight reggae, you know, in one band. And before that was the Clash, and you know, even the Police would combine them like they would. Yep. The Clash had. Good turned, point. Good point. Yeah, the police—that's a good poll. Yeah, and and you know the clash turned like Armageddon time and police and thieves True. old standard ska songs into you know punk rock, yeah, but in the best possible way. But Sublime combined everything that we were all listening to in the early '90s, because in the late '80s we were posers if we weren't if we were listening to anything other than just ska or just punk rock or just you know metal. Truth. So by the '90s we were listening to everything. Yeah, I had NWA. NWA was like so punk rock. The first time I heard them, I go, that, I mean, meaning the mentality, fuck the police, that's punk rock.
0: No question. Uh,
1: that, I, I, that I album, bought into I know every all word that stuff. to that album.
0: I bought into know? all of it. And, and Cube, so, so all, then, of it. Yeah, all of
1: it. So then you hear Sublime, and I mean, he does an acoustic tribute to Karis One. Yep. And you know, and I know because of Karis One, you must learn. And then, um, just you know, and the descendants, yeah, I mean, I think they do hope faster than the descendants, and I mean, all these it was everything we were listening to there was there was hip hop punk rock, um reggae, and I mean, he was turning Bob Marley songs into his own. you know it wasn't it wasn't that he was stealing them, and it wasn't even that like he was sampling like other or or turning it into a, a punk reggae song like The like the Clashwood. It was just—it was just like nothing. None of us ever heard. Yeah. And like, what in the hell is that? And the samples too that were in there. Were like, crazy. Incredible.
0: DJs, just
1: everything. All the oh, sh- the lyrics so, we can all relate to.
0: So wh- when did you first connect then? So you so hear the tape. So that was
1: '92 that the tape came. So um, it was about you know within the year after we got that tape and, and that whole summer. Well, I always got the reader every week to see what bands are playing. Sure. And so my thing was either dancing or bands. And we're looking and I don't know why. Do you remember a club called Winters out by State oh, College? Oh, gosh, yeah. It the, was right. the Hesher Bar, the metal it was, bar.
0: Uh, and now it's the morgue.
1: Is it called The Morgue? Is it's a, it, is a good it a body
0: mortuary or something. Oh, it's, it a mortuary. Mortuary. I thought, it's a mortuary. It's a mortuary. Because
1: The Morgue would be a good name for a metal club. That's <laughs> hysterical.
0: No, it's an actual, yeah. it's a mortuary, but I saw Pearl Jam at Winners. Wow. I saw Pearl Jam there and Divinals, that band that does. Divinals, I, I, touch I remember my- that. Yes. I saw White Zombie there,
1: and then I saw White Zombie at um, I saw White Zombie
0: there, too, and I saw them on Ingram or on Garnett Avenue. uh, uh,
1: Diego's. Diego's. Oh, God, they were badass. It was before they really blew up. Badass. I still still have their single um, before their first album came out, and it's green vinyl with the red, and it's got a thunder, that that kiss cover. And on the front, it's got the one guy, his, his face is painted like... Kiss and it's the baddest ass version of that. I was at, at that Thunder. same
0: white zombie show. I was there. Diego's. And, and so it was Diego's. like Club 860 or something yeah, and weird. Yeah, you know,
1: and it would be like live rad bands would play there. Yep. And then it'd be, that's where I would go dancing because I worked at Ichiban Sushi Bar on Garnett at that's that time. Riot. And so oh, we were yeah. on every guest list to go dancing, the Ichiban girls. But I was looking in the reader and um, for some reason I looked at win- Winters and it said Sublime. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why are they playing? Is that the, sub- that's, what other band's called Sublime? Right. Why are they playing at Winters? Their music is not, they should have been playing at Diego's or anywhere else. Yeah. And um, so me and about 10 other people from Ocean Beach that, you know, we were obsessed with that CD. I mean, that cassette, the Four Dance of Freedom, we decided, well, we got to go out there and, you know, give support because they must, their, their band manager must not know that that's a metal bar, a Hesher bar. Right. So maybe, us 10, maybe 10 other people showed up and the, uh, mitch wilson came jp came what a trip um, because i told them you guys got to come see this band you know i was trying to get everyone to go to 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 you know crowd it up because i knew that nobody was going to go because it's a metal it was you know for just metal shows and so we um after they were done playing i mean literally you remember how big the the, the floor was for winters
0: oh yeah it, this, it was
1: like maybe 20 people on the floor
0: yeah little tiny yeah. room in this big building but the exactly. floor was tiny
1: tiny but the stage was up high so it was real easy after they were done performing to go up and and approach them as they were you know loading out and talk to them and we're like you guys were so rad and and we hope you come play here again because this is a you know this is not where you should play and hope you don't think that this is what the scene's like here and they're like no that's no, okay you know and I, and uh my friend scott little scotty from ocean beach he said guys want you can come to OB if you don't want to drive back to Long Beach and we're gonna have a bonfire and they're like sure yeah they're, the only thing they were concerned about was their band equipment you know it's gonna be safe and sure of course you know um, so we went down to the end of uh, Voltaire um, West Point Loma um, over there by the ebb tide and, and you know behind all that is all, where everyone has bonfires yeah and we sat and had a bonfire and for some reason Brad and I were the two that ended up pairing up talking and I had a boyfriend at the time and and Brad I, I mean I wasn't thinking of Brad as like this rad hot dude. He was just I, I grew up around dudes, all my best friends in bands I, I and being a rude girl and a, and a bro chick. Right. I could talk to guys about music. And so we just talked all night and he was very painfully shy kind of, you know. He wasn't very social. Um he was really sweet and Lou Dog was there and so then I go, Well, we can all crash out at my best friend's house. And she lived on Narragansett and she didn't go to the show. So we get over to her house and I'm like, I brought the band back. <laughs> and so everyone got a couch and whatever. And he and I slept on the floor next to each other. Uh, he had his own blanket and I had my own. I, and I really wish I could remember what we talked about. Well, we talked until the sun came up. It's awesome. And we're like best friends, you know, like yep. about everything. And it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't um, flirtatious or hitting on each other. We just, God, you know, just could talk, and then the next morning, we went down to Newport, and he had Lou Dog, and he was so concerned about tying his dog, he had him sit next to, at the table by the window, so he could keep an eye on Lou Dog, and um, we're all hungover, and, but he didn't talk much, he was really, really shy, and so, um, at the time, their drummer was Kelly Vargas, he would step in whenever Bud would take off sometimes Bob would take off to either go get you know sober or just be pissed off or whatever it was Just <laughs> normal and Kelly Vargas was a sweetheart and um, I think it was um almost a year later that before they performed again and by now my boyfriend at the time his roommate started booking bands at at Beach Boys which then became Canes okay and Red Onion was down there by the rollercoaster yep and so he started booking bands and about a year later he goes oh yeah that band you know sublime right and i'm like yeah yeah sublime i booked them at you know beach Place." i'm like no way when and um so of course you know I i had to go and right away and it'd been almost a year brad recognized me he remembered me and it was really sweet you know and um and then kelly vargas was there the drummer and he goes you're the one. You're the girl. Okay, I remember now. He wouldn't stop talking about you the whole way home after that first time. He kept saying, "That girl in San Diego, and all the pretty girls are in San Diego," and it was it was really sweet. And he was just the sweetest, you know. And but he was by then he was clearly had started using yeah heroin, and his appearance was different. His personality he was more so he was more outgoing and um, sociable because he you know, had the drug he, the drug, and is and he was. Like emaciated, skinny. You know, it's, it, it blows my mind that heroin, which is, um, it's not an upper, it, that people that they can lose so much weight on it. It's not like they're running around. Yeah. You know, you know high on something like, like like meth, cleaning. They just kind of lay around. I don't know how. Maybe because they sleep too much and they don't eat. I don't know. But he was painfully thinny. Yeah. Thinner.
0: Well, how long were you together from the time? From that point
1: to well, that was ninety three. Okay, so we met in ninety two. That was it. All 93. happened so fast then. It was ninety three, and then in ninety four, I broke up with my boyfriend at the time because it got to the point where every time Sublime would play, and my boyfriend at the time was very controlling. And the my, the joke with my my good good home home slaps, my home my homies would be like, "Oh, your quote unquote boyfriend," because he would never go out with me to shows or doing do things with me and my friends and be like those are your friends and they so they called him my invisible boyfriend but i'm a lawyer i was loyal i was loyal to my boyfriend and so whenever sublime would play his room would be like oh yeah your favorite band's playing and and then you go yeah your favorite band's playing you're so stupid that lead singer totally wants you right and i was like he's not even my type i don't even like him (laughs) and honestly i'm a one guy person you know and i was just like whatever but manifest he manifested it because the the night we broke up and i'm not the type to break up and back together it was the only time the first and only time we broke up i called all my best friends and i said you know all my girls and said let's go dancing that was the way i got it out either tattoo or dancing and ole madrid at the time ole wasn't madrid. Known, yeah, yeah it wasn't known for live bands true and so we're waiting in line which you know very rarely did because when we danced down in, in pb we were always on the list because of we're itchabon course. girls. We're standing there waiting, and I hear Sublime come on. I'm thinking, yes, the DJ's playing one of the songs. And then the next song is Sublime. And I'm like, what DJ plays the same band twice? I ran up to the door, and I go, is that a live band? And they're like, yeah, it's some band from Long Beach. And I'm like, you have to let me in. Like, the night I break up with my boyfriend, who gave me so much shit.
0: Where the Sublime was playing? At Madrid.
1: Yes. And the night I break up with my boyfriend, who was always writing me about that lead singer, telling me and they're playing. Oh, uh, it was, like, it was perfect. so Perfect because I was just like f him, and you know, like I'm gonna go dance and have fun yeah. and just be free. So the door guy let me in. I ran right up because the sta- they played at the stage that was um, downstairs below. Yep. And I ran right up to the front of the stage, and Brad stopped playing mid in the middle of a song. They were in the middle of he stopped he playing. Saw, yeah. And I'm like waving and he stopped and he got down on his knees and gave me a hug. He goes, you're here. And I go, you're here. It was just like, and we were never apart after that. That's
0: amazing.
1: I mean, we were apart because I was working and he was, you know, really strung out on drugs. And, and Sublime had a, a big underground following, but they were still playing, you know, yeah. little, you know, dive bars, which is great. The, the beauty of that, there was such a beauty in seeing them at the dive and, and bars. And then to the
0: person, I know the answer, but I want you to answer it to the person who might be listening and saying right now, well, why in the hell would you ever get together with a dude strung out on drugs? You know, obviously it's the fame thing. And I I don't think that's, and I was gonna say, I don't think that's the answer,
1: which is why I want you to say it. At that time, he was, they weren't making any money. It wasn't about that. It was about that he had this sweet soul. He seemed lost and, and I think the And you're
0: young. What do you know about addiction? Well,
1: I didn't know, I knew a lot about addiction. My parents were both speed freaks, you know, they grew up, I mean, they grew up, they were part of the seventies biker, you know, uh, crank era. My mom, um, was on, um, some form of speed, you know, started out with whites, which back in the day, the fifties were diet pills that your doctor gave you. Right. My dad, he had a, a, hip injury and, um, so he got addicted to reds, which are the equivalent of, you know, painkillers. N- not like they are now. They're not opiates, but still, they were called reds, and they get you wasted. So he started doing the biker meth to stay awake because he was a welder, mm. he work the night shift. So, but they were highly functioning addicts. But it was the early '70s, and I never saw anyone get weird like they are now, getting weird on drugs. That I mean, weird, weird, baby. weird, weird. Um, I can remember in Claremont in the '80s, that guy who drove the tank down right. the middle, down, straight down Claremont Boulevard, and I also remember there was a neighbor in Claremont. Everybody was on, on speed, meth, crank, whatever, in the 80s. One guy had rigged up floodlights in his front yard so he could mow his lawn at 3 in the morning. <laughs> 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 I was like, so you, you go to town, you know. That's like, a riot. Yeah, you're not on anything. But my parents, so I was around it always. I mean, the bikers. Okay. I didn't see people doing it, but I saw. I, it was an unspoken thing. Got it was it. normal. But I was never around heroin. So when i started hanging out with brad um after i broke up with my boyfriend i was able to hang out with him more he was not private about his heroin addiction he almost um, was careless it's almost like it, and he was the only one in his group of friends and in the band who did heroin so it almost gave his addiction more power mm. and then he was he i think he in some way liked the attention because he would you know, they would always get invited to stay at a fan's house if they were on the road and he'd leave a needle sitting out or he'd be in the bathroom too long or he was a little too showy about it.
0: Because he thought it made him more hardcore, or or more like a rock star. Yeah,
1: and also because you know the
0: Seattle thing was probably still happening around. A lot of his idols had done it. Yeah,
1: and also he grew up a privileged—not privileged, but he grew up not wanting for anything. I mean, he grew up in Long Beach, in Belmont Shore.
0: He grew up with money, right? Yeah, that's what I I thought.
1: His his dad was a self-made man in the '80s. He did. He did um, real estate and construction. And, and, and he went Bradley to college, Bradley did, right? Oh, the Bradley whole bit. went to UC Santa Cruz. He's very intelligent. That's what I thought. I mean, he graduated, you know, I mean, he didn't graduate. He was one one uh, unit or whatever credit short from his um, his uh, business, lab, his BA in, in business, which in hindsight was the best thing he could have taken because when Sublime signed their first record contract, he was had the sound mind even though he was really strung out on heroin, he had a sound mind to go to a lawyer and get it put in writing that he's the band leader, he writes the songs, and get Bud and Eric to sign it. Mm. Because he wanted to make sure that it was split right. He wasn't greedy, he was a businessman, he was yeah. business-minded. And he wanted fame for his band, he did that for them. But he also wanted to make sure that you know nobody was going to take anything that, that belonged to him. I think he had a... Smart. I think he had foresight and he had bucket list because near the end, he wasn't strong enough to stay off of heroin. Yeah. It was a constant struggle and he, you know, he's a very, I always said he never hurt anyone but himself. And that's the thing is that he got, he just got too tired, he was so tired of fighting it. But he was able to accomplish everything on his list, his list of what he wanted to do in life. Up until, you know, and the, and the main thing was to get fame for his band and that he didn't see the fame is I mean the fame that how big it got after he passed away from that last album, but he did get them on the radio. Date rape, he got him a record contract. He got him a tour. He, he got, got to see that. Yeah, he got to record that amazing album that Paul Leary produced out in Texas. And Paul Leary, one of his idols. He, you know, so it, we we got married. I didn't want to get married. I was like, we did everything backwards.
0: Yeah, you had the kid first. Yeah, we right? had the kid
1: first. I got pregnant. And I didn't even move to Long Beach until I was six months pregnant. I was How like, old were
0: you at that time?
1: I was 26, okay. and I, I was like, I'm not moving to Long. Beach. No, I was 25. Sorry, I'm not moving to Long Beach. You know, like I was. I'm a San Diego girl. There's no beach there. But um, <laughs> I and I had a job, and at the time, Brad was living in a little tiny like uh, studio um, in downtown Long Beach that was just so. Oh, uh, you could the shower, the bathtub was black you know it was like it was a junky apartment I call yeah. it and, um, and whenever we get in arguments about him when he'd relapse or use you know and he'd go but I'll always take care of you and I'm like so mad and I'd be like what does that have to do with anything you know but now looking back he is still taking care of me it's amazing
0: Tell me about uh, the art show that's going on, and I also understand we're going to be uh, honoring Bradley, or what would have been Bradley's 51st birthday, something that Ailsmith has going on, correct? Yes, correct. So let's start with the art show.
1: The art show is going to be on February 16th in La Jolla at an art gallery called... Misfits. Misfits, what a great name. They're fantastic.
0: I love them. It's a well, husband-wife duo that are the best.
1: What blows my mind that it's in La Jolla. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be great. And uh, I started working on it or uh, helping Josh Paskowitz. And Josh is part of the Paskowitz family. I love if Josh. If are not familiar with them, there's a documentary on this family. He has um, eight, what, seven brothers and three It's called sisters. Surfwise. It's called Surfwise. You can watch it. And it's a, it, it, I met Jonathan Paskowitz. When Bradley was still alive at Black Flies, he worked at Black Flies, and I just fell in love with him. Josh um, ran into him throughout the years through Black Flies events, and when he was in a band called Jesus Chrysler, I love that name, and the flies. hilarious, and
0: the flies. And so
1: because of Instagram, which, I mean, it's changed my life because it's connected me to a lot of people and cool things, he had direct messaged me this surfboard in, in San Clemente where Josh lives that this guy airbrushed Bradley's image on it. And so it took me about two months to finally meet Josh over there. And I love Josh. And so I saw the surfboards. It's, it's amazing. Yep. And the name of the shop that it was at, it's called the catalyst and the name of Bradley's favorite venue to play at in Santa Cruz and anywhere was called the catalyst. No way. And lately I've been getting nicknamed or jokingly in a way, the catalyst because, um, being in the music industry, I don't. I've never wanted to sing or ma- manage bands, but I've got a lot of musicians around me and um, through Mighty Brad's son, through you know, my, my, me getting reconnected with my old friends who have been in bands in the San Diego scene, I'm just got all these people that will call me out of the blue and ask me to cook them up with this or this or that. I'm like, I should get paid for this. What would I be called? And You're the, the catalyst. catalyst. So I um, got in touch, so got reunited with Josh and he said, you know, I'm gonna be doing an art show I need some help. I, I'm, I'm looking for some artists. <laughs> Easy. And I hooked him up with a band called Capo Kelly. They're a San Diego band. Uh, the lead singer's name is Ryan. And the drummer's a good friend of mine named Glenn. And Ryan's voice is smooth. The, the style of the music they'll be performing at the art show. Is cool! kind of like lovers rock, like that old school 80s lovers rock. Yeah. And then there'll be another um, um, music group. Plus, a lot of artists will be showcased there. And Papa Hassoi, Christian Hassoi's father, is going to do live art with Josh Paskowitz.
0: Oh, that's so it's awesome. It's
1: going to be amazing.
0: And you're obviously going to be on site I as well. I will
1: totally be there.
0: Good. All right. And we're going to be behind it as well and pushing and promoting the event leading to. And, and then what's happening around Bradley's or what would have been uh, the 51st birthday?
1: So Bradley's birthday is February 22nd. And it'll be his 51st birthday. And last year we celebrated his 50th at L Smith. L Smith Brewery is in Mira And who do our Mexican lager, our sublime Mexican lager. Which is lager. so good, by the Isn't it the delicious? Way? Okay, I've been so. off the,
0: yeah, I'm sorry to the IPA dudes and ladies, but I've been off the IPAs for a while. I love a good lager.
1: Lager. And, or just a good Mexican t- you know, To yep. me it tastes like Dos Equis or Modelo. Yes. And that was the thing is... We, it took me three years to, you know, working with Surf Dog Records. Three years, it was a passion of mine. Somebody had posted on Instagram a 40 bottle and they slapped a Sublime sticker on it and it was like a light bulb went off ding, ding, ding. Why have we never? Why? why We need a beer. And I wanted it to be like Old English or Cult 45. I wanted it to be good, warm, $3 in every liquor store. So the problem we came across was. The bot, the the machine, the 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 equipment that that they use to make the forty bottles, we don't have it on the West Coast.
0: Interesting.
1: Even though San Diego is the what capital of of the forty. Well, no one could make the bottle. Got it. So everyone wanted to work with us. Everybody, And they said we could do two twenties. I said no, you can't. It's got to be a forty, and it's got to taste good, warm, and it can't be that IPA or the whatever. So finally, AleSmith was the one place after three years that was willing to buy the bottles from. The East Coast, which was either Budweiser, Anheuser Busch, they uh, uh, Anheuser-Busch or Anheuser um, Busch or Coors. Right. They weren't willing to work with us because they don't need to. They got Old English yeah. and whatever. But they bought the bottles. They bought twenty thousand, and they hand poured them. No. Yes. So this twenty thousand, they're collector's items. Um, so they're only selling a thousand at a time, and. The first thousand was when the beer first launched two years ago. I remember. Yes. And they sold out and, and they can only buy them on, fans can only buy them online and they have to pick them up at L Smith or no. have a friend because you can't ship beer. You can't ship them. So the first thousand sold out in like 12 minutes, 12 minutes. And then they did another one. So on the 22nd, they are going to first thing, you know, in the morning is um, put another thousand online. And I don't know if they're going to do it the day before. So just go to www.lsmith.com Yeah, and we'll
0: have them in here on one of yeah. our shows as well to talk and about. And so they're going to release
1: another thirty or another thousand of the forties, and then we're going to have the party there from six to nine p.m. We're going to have um, uh, DJ music and we're going to celebrate his birthday and um, hopefully some guest appearances from some of the crew, maybe Marshall or. Possibly Bud might be there. We don't know. We don't no. know to see.
0: If you need help with an yes. MC, let me know. I will. I I'll will jump for sure. on a mic for and you. And it
1: was so fun last year. I mean, the fans were just—it's a—it's an intimate, small area. Uh, I mean, the the the, uh, the brewery's big. Elsmore right. is big, but intimate as far as the fans were able to approach me, Dougie, uh, Boyce, who DJ'd last year. Um, there, it, it, it was just really special because I was able to have beers and hugs and talk to people and. And, was, and one guy gave me, he had made his own shirt, sublime shirt. And I liked it. I just gave him a compliment and he took it off his back and gave nah. it to me. So it'd be really cool.
0: And if people want to find uh, Jake's music, best way to do that.
1: My Jake.
0: You're Jakey. That's okay, where I want to end.
1: Jake is mine and Brad's son and his band is called Law, L-A-W. And you can find it on uh, YouTube. You can find the album on iTunes. It's his third, their band's third album. Law's new album is called There and Back Again, and it's their third one, and it's very different than their first two. Uh, Their first album was called Mild Lautism," which is great in its own right, (laughs) and then the second album has a really great song on it called Liquor Store. If nobody's listened to Law, listen to Liquor Store for sure on their second album, Um, but their newest album, it dropped in November, and it's really their true sound. Jake's influences, his voice undoubtedly sounds like his dad's. Wow. But he doesn't, you know, he wasn't raised around him. He doesn't remember him. And he certainly didn't listen to sublime music his whole life unless it was played in the background. But the genes are there. And he's a really incredible songwriter. And But his influences are Queens of the Stone Age, Mastodon, and Tool. Yeah. It's hard rock. Yes. So be prepared to hear not... Sublime-sounding music, stoner rock. Oh, it's so great, so great! And please listen. And he, I'm in. I can't wait. You know what? My son now hits Rush notes, Getty notes. Come on. No, he does.
0: All right, I'm not kidding you. We're ending this session, and the first thing I'm doing in my car, firing up the Spotify or YouTube and checking it out. Oh yeah. I'm serious.
1: I, 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 and you're gonna, you're gonna die. You're gonna be hooked.
0: I can't wait. (laughs) Thank you for your time. Thank you. Alright, that does it. Our sit down with Mama Troy. Be sure to support, uh, well, everything she's involved in. From the Al Smith, to her son, Jacob's Band, Law, to the art show at Misfit Gallery, which is happening uh, Saturday, February 16th. And uh, yeah, life is good. Hope you're good. Thank you to the patrons on Patreon. You know who you are. Mariposa Ice Cream, best ice cream on the planet. And uh, thanks for being you. You're friggin' cool. Until next time, be well and much aloha, friends. Oh, and thank you to Jake Nager and the Moment of Truth for supplying all our music. Look for Jake Nager. It's N-A-J-O-R and the Moment of Truth on Facebook, Instagram. Basically Facebook, though. Get a lot of the music there, the music you hear right now. Hunt it down. Jake Nager and the Moment of Truth. You rule. See ya.